On today's episode of the Pastor Mike Drop podcast, we're going to look at the purpose of prophecy. What does the Bible say about that? Also, the power of a praying mom and a grandmom. Paul writes about that to Timothy in 2 Timothy, and that's a part of our whole Holy Bible reading. Fighting our fears with faith, the wisdom of elders, how to apply this teaching to our daily life. Paul's last words, so inspiring. And why it matters that we're reading the whole Holy Bible together as a church family for you. So grab a Bible, pull up a chair, and let's go. Welcome everybody, co-host Emily. I'm still getting used to that new opening, but I, I think we're, we're <laughs> I, think, I think we're starting to get our hands around it a little bit. That that that's good. Uh, Emily, we are blessed by a wonderful panel of pastors today <laughs> yes. to talk about our Bible readings. Yes, we are. We have with us Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Amanda. Welcome back. Thanks. Thanks for having good us. It's fun to be here. Podcast fan favorites, back <laughs> by popular demand. Just keep coming back. That's kind. Yeah. That said, is very generous. We're glad to be here. Deja vu. Here <laughs> yeah. you are again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, on all sorts of levels. So, Emily, tonight's also a big night here at Hope. I know a lot of yes. people are going to be listening to this podcast, hopefully for a long, long time to come, and so it may not be re- is completely relevant, but. It's too exciting not to mention that on the day we're recording this podcast, Mm -hmm. it's the first Wednesday of a new school year for us here as a church family called Lutheran Church of Hope at all of our campuses and locations, and that means ministries for all sorts of people, and you are right in the middle of leading all of it, so tell us about it. We have so much going on. It does all kick off tonight, and then it's continual, though, so if you're hearing this later, (laughs) still join us on a Wednesday. Uh, We have Hope Kids Wednesdays for kids. We have our Power Life Junior High Confirmation Ministry. We have Ignition, which is for high school students. We have choirs going on. We have for adults, a class Amanda is leading tonight, Uh, Hope Wednesdays for adults, and a lot of excitement for all of those things. It's really great. Yep. Kids choir at five too, right? Yeah. Uh, adult choirs, yeah. choirs uh, yeah. later, later tonight. Yep. Um, we got a meal in the bridge beforehand mm-hmm. to get some community. It's built. really a great place to, mm-hmm. to connect uh, and find community within mm-hmm. this larger church yep. family that to, to find that group, that connecting point. Um, mm-hmm. And our, our youth and family ministries here it's electric. that, that, awesome. that yeah. you're mm-hmm. at the at the front of, Emily, are just amazing. I I heard at our staff meeting yesterday, how big was your confirmation class? Man, we, we were a big confirmation class, but we were still probably 85 people. 85? And, and that was oh, big. Wow. Yeah, yeah, mine yeah. was 12. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a little more standard. And I, in, now in a lot of churches, it's two or three. Mm-hmm. Uh, we heard in our staff meeting yesterday, our confirmation has over 1,500 students Crazy. Um, awesome. involved here at Hope. Yeah, mm-hmm. praise God for all that. Mm-hmm. And that's just for grades six, seven, and eight. Yeah. And there's the kids younger than that, the kids older than that. Uh, college students have uh, ministries on Wednesday nights in Ames and Iowa City. Young adults yeah. meet. Yep. Thursday nights, it just, and like you said, adult Bible study that Amanda's leading tonight in the chapel. It praise God is right, mm-hmm. uh, and all glory to God. Mm-hmm. People yeah. are hungry for the Word; they're mm-hmm. diving into it. It's for all generations; it's for all ages. We take very seriously the call to unapologetically compete for the hearts mm-hmm. of new generations, young generations. Uh, so much so that one of our distinguished pastors will even be pulled in to do a dance mm-hmm. uh, on social media. And this is my way of saying, do not miss this. Go to the Hope Instagram uh, 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 page or to my Instagram page. I shared it on my story. Jeremy, you got some moves. It, that If those are moves, I don't know what not having moves would be. I, I will say that I, I got asked... Um, and I said, for the good of hope and the good of our ministries, it would probably better if I did not do it. Uh, but we have some people who are persistent. So, you know, if you can't <laughs> act like a fool uh, for Christ, right? when can you act like a fool? And I, right. I guess I'm making myself an expert. In I it. just love it. Like preacher, podcast, mm-hmm. representative, and dancer. And penguin Disco dancer. John Travolta of hope. Yeah. Good yeah. night. Now Phenomenal. more people are going to watch this. This is yes. great. I, I was yes. hoping that. That's Thanks, why I said it. Don't you think, Amanda? Absolutely. Absolutely. Check it out. I'm glad to be here. I did notice, however, that you did not stand for your dance in the line that was in the front, you made your own line in the back. 
<laughs> That's because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I only had a few minutes. Now, the people that I was with, they were wonderful, and they taught me they as much as job. they could teach somebody with this level of talent. There's <laughs> only, my ceiling is low. Look, buddy, you did a great job. You did. You did an and, and, job. and seriously, pretty pretty good dancer yeah. there, well, too. Yeah. 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 All to plug it. I invite everyone to pray for all the students coming tonight. Absolutely. It's a really big deal. Absolutely. It is a big deal. There yep. will be thousands of, mm-hmm. of youth and mm-hmm. students, kids yep. coming through here, teens, yeah. um, through this building tonight. And I can't wait. I'll be yep. here and I'm excited yep. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. My parents are invited tonight too. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really good. Okay. It's with that though, we want to, it, and it's not a different subject. It's mm-hmm. this word that we're trying to bring to all these thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of new generations and old generations and every generation in between. So on that note, uh, let's ask some questions yeah. about our Bible reading this week. Why don't we just jump right in? Anybody got any questions? Oh, yeah. No, should have saw that coming. Okay, we're going to start with the Old Testament stuff. What do you want Bible readers to know about the book of Isaiah and what stood out for you as you read through the first 20 chapters this week? Yeah, so I am really excited tonight. As we've mentioned, we're kicking off Hope Wednesday for adults. And so our book that we're in tonight and for the rest of this month actually is the book of Isaiah. And so tonight uh, I'll be teaching that at six o'clock in the chapel. And so I've spent a lot of time this week looking at Isaiah and whoo, yeah, that's, that's a mind bender. But uh, before I really even get into that, for those of you that are continuing on with the Old Testament readings, I just want to say to you, good job. Like, mm, you are yeah. doing so good. And as you continue to go through this, sometimes when things feel difficult, we think this is difficult, this isn't for me. But here's the thing. If this feels difficult as you go through it, that's because it is. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not mm-hmm. doing it wrong. And so just encouragement to you. Kudos. Really, 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 really great job. And uh, if you want to learn more about Isaiah, uh, come and join us here the rest of this month. So, But if I think about one thing, it's probably two things that I really want people to know, particularly about these opening chapters as we look at the book of Isaiah. The one thing I really want people to get is when we're talking about the Israelites, Israel is us. Okay, so it is so easy to look at all of these things that are happening in Israel's history and to look at them as some like ancient people who were just so silly. And how could they make those mistakes and how could they be so stubborn? Friends, Israel is us. And that is so important for us to remember in all of this. Israel did not want to acknowledge that Yahweh was their God. Israel did not want to acknowledge that he had called them. He had blessed them with his presence and with his care. And with that came the responsibility then to be a blessing. Now, Israel is us. We do the very same thing. We don't want to acknowledge that we need Jesus as a Savior. Uh, we we resist that, that we need his uh, power, that we need God's Holy Spirit power uh, to keep us close to God, to keep us uh, moving in the direction that God wants us to go. So in all of this, Israel is us. And when you read the book of Isaiah, you see again and again that there are indictments made mm-hmm. against Israel that um, and that's one of the things that makes it difficult to read because you're like, good heavens, I don't know if I can read one more uh, metaphor for how terrible these people are, right? Um, so you read the indictments. And there's a lot of them. And there's and plenty. They repeat. There, yeah. Yes, and mm-hmm. they do. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the themes tonight of those things. Um, but you see in that, that, um, yes, there is the indictment. There is the promise then of the judgment that's coming. And then there's the promise of the refinement that's coming. We're going to see that in a very specific way in Isaiah chapter six. But what I want you to know is the judgment and the refinement are never the end. They're never the point. They are the means to the end for God's redemption. The judgment and the refinement take us to God's rescue strategy. And Israel is us. So what we understand is that in all of Isaiah, he is pointing the whole time to the Messiah. Now they didn't know it yet, but that's what we understand is we read Isaiah with the benefit of hindsight that the judgment, uh, the difficulty are not the point. They are the means to the end of the redemption that God has promised to us, pointing to Jesus the whole time. So I'm really excited about it. You guys should come. We're, re- right. yeah, we're, we're reading God's living word, which yeah. we'll get into in, in actually specific de- detail uh, later as we dive into Second Timothy deeper here in just a few minutes. But Israel is us. What a, what a great way to say it, Pastor Amanda. This is our story and finding our story because, because it's so relevant for us. Mm-hmm. What is described is going on in the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, how God warns them, here come the Assyrians, here come the Babylonians. You, 
when we get filled with um, our own, let me put it this way, when we get filled with a false sense of comfort that's based on us, like how good we are, what we've done, what we are striving to do to be comfortable people, to be a good society, to be to have a good life, to have a full life. When we get too comfortable with that, or when we get too comfortable with our spirituality, mm-hmm. our religion, what, what we believe about things, because we've just sort of manufactured a truth that is comfortable for us, that's when God sends the prophets. That's when God says, whoa, whoa. And God doesn't say, whoa, because he's like, "Uh uh-oh, you're going to believe in something else, and Mm -hmm. I feel personally hurt. God is saying his motivation is way stronger than that, which is, you are off the rails, and you're going to get hurt, and I love you, and I do not want you to get hurt. So prophetic words of warning, prophets either bring words of warning or they bring words of hope and comfort. And Isaiah does both, you know, and and, Mm -hmm. and it's so rich Mm -hmm. here, it my goodness, folks, if you have time, come every Wednesday this yep. month, dive into this class in the chapel at 6 p.m., and you're, you you will not be disappointed. It will be an investment mm-hmm. for you, Absolutely. Um, and you will find out how relevant it is. It's the overwhelming relevance of God's Word for our world, that connection. You know, Emily, when we started this podcast, we said we want to find those intersections between mm-hmm. faith and daily life. That's like the whole purpose of this podcast. Yeah. And doing the Bible this year, every week, all year long, as we read through the whole Holy Bible together, reminds us just how deeply connected God's Word is to our world, and not just our ancient world. We're not just reading about history here. We are. We're reading about actual Mm -hmm. people who actually Mm -hmm. lived and things that actually happened. The Assyrians did take over for Israel in 722 BC. They wiped them out. They put them into exile. The Babylonians did take over for Judah because Judah's like, well, that's Israel. It won't happen to us. Then Jerusalem falls, you know, to the Mm -hmm. Babylonians. And this is the history that really happened, but it's also history. Anybody who knows history knows that these things tend to cycle, tend to come back. And woe to any of us who get too comfortable, who start Mm -hmm. thinking that, we're putting our security in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's really the problem underneath it all. And I, I love in these first chapters, there's so many well-known passages that yeah. come out. Like, here I am, send me, Isaiah mm-hmm. responds to yeah. the call from God who says, there's a, a world that's drifted away, and I'm gonna, I, I need somebody to come and speak this word. Then we have what we hear at Christmas all the time, for unto us a child. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the preface... Isaiah 9. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. so Isaiah prefaces, that, prefaces it when he says, nevertheless... The time of that darkness will not last forever, encouragement. And then we have Isaiah 11. A shoot will come from the, stump, from the, the line of Jesse. Mm-hmm. There's this, in, this point, this laser-focused point to the fact that there is one who is on his way that hits us exactly where we need to, to experience it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah the, the, verses that stood out for you, anything else that popped out? Because for me, it was that one in Isaiah chapter one, in addition to the ones that you mentioned, <laughs> though our sins are scarlet, you've been yeah. as white as gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then mm-hmm. it, elsewhere in Isaiah chapter one, it's just so direct. It's, it's like, here's what you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. God's people. Learn to do good, seek justice, justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight for the rights of widows. <laughs> Come now, let's settle this, says the mm-hmm. Lord, because you aren't mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. You've made religion and spirituality all about you, and none of the things on that list are really all about you. Right, and what we're going to look at tonight is some of the things that um, God uniquely points out to the people through Isaiah, and I'm here to tell you right now, they are not the things that get people all wound up. Yeah. The things that God is upset about right. fundamentally have to do with the position of our heart uh, and how we treat people. Um, n- particularly the champions of those who don't have a voice, uh, particularly kind of... Anyway, I, w- I don't want to give it all away. You don't want to give We're it all away, it, yeah. It's like a teaser. Yeah. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. good. That's good. Come and see. Yeah. How does Second Timothy one five put a spotlight on the essential role a mother or grandmother can play in the faith development of a child? Man, this is, this is really rich. So when we look at Timothy and who Timothy is and when Paul met Timothy... Timothy came from a family where his dad was Greek, his mom was was Jewish. And so Timothy doesn't have the opportunity to learn about God apart from his mom, who is pouring into him, teaching him the scriptures. And so it's his mom and his grandmother that nurture this, that, that raise, him, raise him up in a way so that when he hears about the gospel of Jesus, he knows that central story and that it actually is being realized in his life. And I think about how many of us, and not just maternal voices in our lives, 
the people we have influence over, the people who have had influence over us, the people whose voices yeah. carry weight for us, mm-hmm. how much they've spoken into our lives. I think about faith all the time that every one of us is here standing on the shoulders of somebody who came before us. Mm-hmm. Timothy, it was his mother and his grandmother. Who is it for you? Mm-hmm. And then I think about who is it that's standing on our shoulders? Mm-hmm. We're, we have the opportunity to pass on this faith and not... Timothy could have heard about Jesus and said, all right, I'm good. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But Timothy answers the call, like Isaiah answered the call, mm-hmm. and says, I'm going to go and I'm going to share this. And so that, that central role of influencers in people's life. And for some of us, and for a lot of us, maybe we had the opportunity for that to be in the house that we grew up in. But that's not the reality for everybody. Mm-hmm. But it's the importance of being in relationship with people who are a little bit older than you, a little bit younger than you, that you can, you can hear their wisdom, you can share your wisdom, and that impacts greatly. If, if his mother wouldn't have said anything, if his grandmother right. wouldn't have taught him, brought him up, I still believe that God's message would have gone, gone out. But how much would Timothy of, Timothy's life have changed? And now we're reading about what Paul is writing to him as he's le- leading this church. Never underestimate what God can do through a simple investment of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good word. Amanda, Emily, you guys are moms. Uh, <laughs> you know, you have moms. You, you, mm-hmm. you know the power of uh, a praying mom. You know the power of being one. What what do you see here? How how does that strike you as you read through this? That the the importance that and the fact that Paul just names these folks and says it's your mom, it's your grandma, it's mm-hmm. it's Lo- Lois and Eunice, it, mm-hmm. it's it's the influence that they had on you, and it's an eternal one. What what difference does that make? How do you see that? I mean, Jeremy and I can talk about it as sons of moms, mm-hmm. and we we're both blessed by great moms. Our moms actually yeah. know each other yeah. from way back when I was <laughs> yeah, a little kid. Great. Um, and uh, they ran into each other, I guess, at the mall the other day and just had a great time. <laughs> uh, but but what about as as those who are called to be moms? How do you see these these verses? Do they do they sing to you in a different way? Yeah, um, I have well because I do have four children of my own, uh, adults and teenagers at this point in their lives, right? And so you do realize at some point. <clears throat> that your best bet is to pray hard, just Mm. pray really, really hard. (laughs) Um, Mm. And I will also say that I, you know, a lot of you who know uh, my story, I wasn't sure about, I was, I'm Israel, right? And so I wasn't sure about this whole thing. And um, I truly, I think that I I believe in the depth of my soul. I believe I'm going to find out this is true when I get to heaven, that it was the prayers of my grandmother's. Mm. I yeah mm. I I've no doubt and I know my parents prayed for me too, um, absolutely, but I have no doubt it was the prayers of my grandmothers who helped mm. that refinement and helped um, me get straightened out. So when it comes to so when it comes to my own children, so many times I've said God's grace has been enough for me. It's going to have to be enough right. for them, mm. and so just the power of those prayers. And I talk to so many moms as well who mm-hmm. are dealing with things with their children hard, and. All of that. And um, one of the things that I just consider a privilege to remind a a mom as she's sitting across from me and heartbroken about what's going on is just, you know what? God loves your kids. God loves them more than you do. He's not letting go of them in the same way that you're not letting go of them. And the best thing that you can do, the healthiest thing for you and for your children is to let him do that, to let Mm -hmm. him love your kids and and know that he's got them. Yeah. I think any parent would say like, well, my number one, above my career, whatever, of course, I'm Mm -hmm. a parent first. And I think as a Christian mom, it's really rewarding reading this, knowing like I that is my greatest calling yes. is to follow God and then to lead my family to mm-hmm. do the same and to feel his love and all of that. And it's just kind of a nice reminder that it's mm-hmm. in here it, too yeah. and yeah. what a difference that makes and uh, that scripture says so is awesome. I'm really, really glad to hear you guys witness to that. And there's also a sense in what I hear you saying that this is this calling. This is, we take mm-hmm. this very seriously. I think dads and grandpas should too, obviously. Yeah. But here in Second Timothy, Paul is lifting up for Timothy, hey, we all know it was your mom and your grandma who led you to this place. And so let's, let's pause and, and honor that. Uh, but as pastors and ministers, we all know that there are times, and there's plenty of listeners, I'm sure, right now, moms, dads, whatever, uh, aunts, uncles, 
who feels a sense of, I tried, you know, or I swung and missed, or I I tried to plant those seeds Mm -hmm. and maybe I didn't do it right or it wasn't good enough. Read the rest of 2 Timothy. Yes. Because Paul continually points Timothy back to being perfect at anything isn't going to save you. It's God's perfection. It's mm-hmm. grace, in other words. Yeah. It's it's only grace. That, so a word of grace for all the moms and grandmas yes. out there who feel like, oh, I didn't do it right, or I must have missed something. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You, you love them, and you can start again now. Let, let's say you took a season off. Well, if you did it wrong, start doing it right now. You know, Pray for them. Uh, pray yeah. for your kids. Don't give up on them. Mm-hmm. Plant the seeds, because it is hard. It is hard in this world to raise you know, kids who are going to claim and embrace the faith, because we see all the statistics. We know what it says. We, we, we have broken hearts over those things, all of us, from friendships or family or whatever it might be, of kids who wander away from the truth of God's love and God's amazing grace, or develop something that doesn't really feel like it's completely... Imp- it's 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 the complexity of Israel again, mm-hmm. you know, and we are Israel, as you said, Amanda. So a word of grace for you. Don't give up. It's not too late. Pray, pray, pray. Look for opportunities. Look for opening doors and and share the example of Christ's love and his grace uh, to to the to the generations that you have influence on because it can be an eternal influence. I mean, it, we're not just talking about influence like, you know, try to be a better person in this way or that way. We're talking about things that last forever here. And and that's that's amazing. And so the seeds of faith that get planted by moms and grandmas and anybody else who has influence over kids, those last. And they can't get they can't get like uh, ruined. They just get covered mm-hmm. up. Yeah, it is yeah. kind of the way I like to see it. Yeah. There's a lot of voices in the world that compete for the attention of of young generations. So it's not surprising that some of them are influenced by those voices. Keep your voice in the game. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, keep your prayers in the game. Your don't prayers. don't yeah. give up on your kids. I. I really appreciate you saying all this because I think it's important to read that as empowerment, not pressure. Yes. Uh, or and guilt. A thousand percent. Yep. It, yeah. is, it is a calling to pray for them and love them well and teach them all you can, but it's still seeds that God is going to do right. the good work through. Yes. I'll, I'll never forget when our kids, our kids went to preschool here at Hope. And at one of their gra- preschool graduations, I'll never forget the faithful leader that just said, you do what you can do. And let God do what, yeah. what God only yep. God can do. Yep. And so th- their greatest successes aren't yours. Mm-hmm. And sometimes their greatest failures aren't yours, but trust them to God. Mm-hmm. And I just, that, for me, that's so always important. been a helpful reminder. Powerful. Okay, next question. What's wrong with carrying a spirit of fear and timidity and being ashamed to tell others about our Lord? And how does Paul encourage Timothy to go a different way? Yeah, uh, Timothy's pretty strong on this. Mm-hmm. So in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, if everybody has their Bibles, um, Paul really leans into this. He says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. That's, it's there, but it's also in chapter 1, verses 7 to 12, where rather famously, because these verses get quoted and memorized a lot, mm-hmm. and I'm reading out of uh, the New Living Translation here, but... Uh, Paul says to Timothy in the opening verses, verse 7 in particular, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and Mm self-discipline. Man, that makes me want to just jump up and get to work. Uh I mean, you know, because talk about an influencer. Paul is a mentor for Timothy is saying, I'm not going to just tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you who you are. Mm. You, you, you might have, maybe Paul knows, maybe there's a hint here if Timothy gets scared sometimes. Or, or I'm not saying, you do, I don't want to get to heaven someday and Timothy's like, why'd you say that on your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I don't get as scared as you do, you know. I mean, but, but there's a hint mm-hmm. of that here. There's mm-hmm. kind of an implication that maybe Timothy's blind spot is once in a while he's like, okay, Paul's in prison and a lot of people, have a, pretty much everybody, mm-hmm. has abandoned him. Um, I'm one of the few he's got left. Because, you know, he get arrested and everybody's like, oh, well, we don't want anything to do with that anymore. I wouldn't want people to, to think anything mm-hmm. of that. I heard an interview <laughs> of all people, Matthew McConaughey the other day, the actor, mm-hmm. and he's a Christian. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. he's a perfect Christian, nor mm-hmm. am I a perfect Christian, but he was willing in an interview to talk about his faith openly. 
Um, it was actually on a podcast, a very popular podcast, maybe the most popular podcast in the world. And he said, he said, I was getting an award. I think it was an Oscar or something. And I was up there testifying about my faith in Jesus Christ, my Christian faith. And I was looking out at other celebrities, stars, who I had prayed with before meals, who, who we had shared, that we both share this common faith. And when I started to testify about my Christian faith, I saw them go like this, like they were going to clap, like mm. encouragement for you. And then they looked around like, oh, okay, um. it's not acceptable to be for that Christian thing he's talking about up there at least as a part of the mm -hmm. Hollywood establishment, you know, mm -hmm. however we want to call that. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was interesting for him to reveal that story. How does that apply here? We don't have a spirit of <laughs> clap, you know, <laughs> right? don't hide it under yeah. a bush. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. That's in Romans 1.16, but it's not just in Romans 1.16. Right. It's, mm -hmm. it's all throughout Paul's letters to Timothy, especially here in 2 Timothy. Don't be scared, Timothy. Don't be timid. Let me tell you who you are. Not just because I'm trying to give you a pep talk. Let me tell you who you are in Christ. You have power like there is no power in this world. You do not have to be afraid of what the world's going to think of you when you clap. Mm -hmm. You do not have to be afraid of what the world's going to think about you if they, they identify you as one of those Jesus people. And neither do our listeners and neither do we. We need to remember that we've got power. We've, we've got uh, love. We've got self. We've got these gifts that the Spirit gives to us. We're filled up with the power that the world wants but doesn't know they want it, mm -hmm. uh, that long they long for, but they don't know that it's right there in front of them. The word is near you. It's on your lips. It's, it's in your heart. It's right there. I just wish people would embrace it. Don't be ashamed of the gospel, Timothy. And like you said, Amanda, it's just ringing with me today. It's a mic drop moment. We are Timothy. We're not mm -hmm. just Israel. We're, we're Timothy in the story. Paul's writing this mm -hmm. to Timothy, but this is also God's living word for us. Yes. Yeah. It's all identity. I mean, it's, it all comes to don't forget who you are. You said that, Mike, but don't forget who you are. And I think, I think the world has a way of, of, of trying. We start to think that other things are more important or we start to think that we need to cover it up. And this is, for me, this has always been a huge identity statement. You have not been given the spirit. You might think it. Yep. You might think it. And you might be tempted to believe that. But remember who you are. Remember what Jesus has done for me. Remember that the fact that you are blind and now you can see. You were lost, but now you're found. There's a, a God who loved you so much, he stepped in. And in that, then like Paul's letter to the Romans, nothing can separate you from that, Timothy. Don't ever forget that. Mm -hmm. This is one of my, I, I quote this verse a lot. It's one of my, it's one of my favorites. I use it um, a lot when I talk with women and, and um, anyway, yeah, I love it. Okay. What has been really, what, what I really enjoyed this time was reading this verse in the context of, of this uh, book of second Timothy, because so much, so many of the themes that you hear Paul come back to is this idea of don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed because they, ha they are having a hard time. Paul knows that he's at the end of his prison time. Like he doesn't have a lot of time. Time left. He just kind of randomly drops the names of people who have abandoned him. him. So, yeah. so you know he's hurting, right? And he's so he's encouraging Timothy uh, not to be ashamed. And and what I notice in this is he also says you've not been, you know, you've been given the spirit of power and love and of self-discipline. Sometimes you read sound mind um, and T. Mm -hmm. Wright translates it as prudence. Um, I kind of think of it as good decisions that lead to, or sound decisions that lead to sound actions. You That's know, great. I mean, it's, it's both, right? But it's understanding you receive this spirit. There is you do the best that you can do, which we're going to get to also, which is a theme in this letter, right? But then you have to trust and believe that Holy Spirit is doing work that you can't even imagine. So once you're willing to accept that Holy Spirit is doing this work in you, that's when you have this spirit of power and love and of self-discipline. So yeah, it's really great. I it love is, it. It is a God thing. Mm -hmm. When I was just starting out here at Hope, um, the, the synod bishop at the time, his name's Paul Werger, um, he's the one who called me here, or at least led the charge to get me here to start this church. Uh, this is So this is back in 1993-94. He sent me to a conference in Burnsville, Minnesota at this church called Prince of Peace Lutheran, where this guy named Merv Thompson <laughs> was the senior pastor who's now on our staff here um, part-time. And uh, Merv uh, led this conference every year called A Changing Church for a Changing World or something like that. And I went there and afterwards the bishop 
asked me, he said, so what did you think? I said, well, it was great. I mean, Merv's incredible. Um, he's a faithful team. And Prince of Peace is this church of 2,000. You know, they've got 2,000 members. They're, they're booming. They're doing all these things. And he says, so what do you think of that? And I said, well, I mean, hope will never be that. But, and he said, I'll never forget this. He looked at me the way I think Paul is writing to Timothy. He goes, why not? Why wouldn't it be? Why, what, what, would, what would get in the way? Well, my, <laughs> me, I could get in the way. It, I was just hedging my bets in a sense. I was playing it careful in, in a way that Paul is telling Timothy, stop that. You, you have power. You have, stop, stop having caveats for everything. Just walk in the – you're filled with the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. as, as you guys are mm-hmm. saying. You, you're, you're filled with – this is your identity, as you're mm-hmm. saying, Jeremy. This is who we are. We're, we're dealing with a power here. It's not our power. Right. It's God's power that, that is running through us if we get it right. We should expect that to change the world. <laughs> right. We should expect yeah. that to grow yeah. a church. I was right that we wouldn't be like Prince of Peace and be a church of 2,000. God's made it, hope, like 10 times bigger than that. And it's not because, oh, I, I figured this out. It's just because the Holy Spirit is – it shouldn't surprise us when things like this happen. So I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not going to not clap. I, and I think Paul is saying to Timothy, you could be ashamed of me because I'm in prison and everybody else is. Don't be ashamed. Stay with Jesus no matter how bad it looks. No matter – are, this also makes some sense of all those passages in Scripture we've been reading all year that say, fear God. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, what's the opposite option? Fear the world. And each mm-hmm. of us really kind of decide, do I fear God more <laughs> or do true. I fear what the world's going to think? Do I, yep. do I live my life to, for what God's going to think or do I live my life for what the world's going to think? Because if, if, if we do life, if we do church, if we do Christianity, if we do relationships, if we do family, if we do careers... In fear of what the world's going to think, we're going to get one result. But if we do it if fear of what God's going to think, it's going to change the way I worship. It's going to change the way I live. It's going to change my goals. It's going to change, change the way I see my friends and enemies, and on and on it goes. It also is, you know, the beginning right before he says, not a spirit, timidity, he says, recalling your tears. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think any of us, not just people who work on the staff of a church, when you, when you, when you live out your faith... You are doing that from a sense of vulnerability, the feeling of vulnerability, and I'm assuming Timothy was doing what he was doing, and there are people that, in a place where he felt vulnerable, he got hurt. And so Paul's saying, hey, it's going to happen, hardship's going to come, but you have a spirit, Holy Spirit inside (laughs) of you, that's different than that. Yeah, 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 it's... it's it's freeing to start living for Christ in a way where you don't care what your third grade friends on the playground are going to think of yeah. you. Yeah, because in third grade I did. Right. I was fearing the world and what third graders would think of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but somewhere along the way, finding freedom in, from that, yep. you really start to breathe some fresh air. It leads you to do dances. Yeah. 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 My kids. Exactly. Well, Just, that's we biblical about too. That for a minute, fool so for Christ, exactly. right? Yeah. <laughs> It was like good. Circle there already. Thank, thanks. Yeah. thanks guys. Yeah. If you haven't seen the dance, it's on Hope's Instagram page. Yeah. Uh, I want to add one thing I loved about that verse in particular is there's this thing about working with kids that's kind of known where it's like instead of just telling them what not to do, you tell them what to do. Yes. And I like that this verse isn't just saying like don't have fear, yeah. but instead it says like but because this is who you are. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why it feels so good. Yeah. I powerful. Think. It's yeah. the identity stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, help our podcast listeners understand what Paul means when he writes to Timothy about suffering and soldiers, athletes who follow the rules, and farmers who should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. At first, it seems, yeah. But, but so, yeah, it's like endure hardships. You know, you're going to endure hardships. You know, like as a soldier, you're going to endure that. So, so there, there's a metaphor there. And then athletes um, play according to the rules. Be a hardworking fighter. There's all of these metaphors using images and analogies that would be palpable, that would be tangible to people. And and what he's saying is when, when you think about that, a a soldier is give, living a life of sacrifice. And you're you're giving you're giving up your sense of safety to protect the safety of all. An athlete is working hard, playing by the rules, not to win for their glory, but sacrificing to, to bring the, the, 
victory for for the team. When you think about a farmer sacrificing, I one of the things that's always amazed me is a farmer does not know what a day off is. Right. They just mm-hmm. don't. Mm-hmm. And what what a farmer does is a farmer sacrifices their time, their energy, everything in order to feed the world. And so Paul is saying you're you're going to you're going to feel at times like you're losing something, but endure that hardship because Jesus is with you. You you need to play, you need to compete, but don't compete like the ones who bend the rules. Compete and work within the rules according to the world because there is a victory, but the victory we're after is different than the than others might name it to be. And then as a as as a hardworking mm-hmm. farmer, the the soil that you're cultivating in the world around you is going to produce, you know, Jesus metaphor of the farmer who scatters the seed. It's going to produce a, a a harvest that you might not see in your lifetime. You think about uh, Timothy's grand grandmother. Mm. She may she she doesn't know what mm-hmm. Paul was writing to Timothy. Now she does because mm-hmm. she's in heaven. But that I'm sure that Timothy wasn't always the best child to his mom and to his grandma. He wasn't Jesus. But they were the the hardworking farmers of his life cultivating the soil so that that seed of faith that we talked about earlier would take root. And so Paul is just giving these examples to say, you know what this is like, and this gives you some handles to apply it to your daily life. It's kind of permission for us as preachers to use illustrations, yeah. you know, stories, and mm-hmm. not just people say mm-hmm. they want verse by verse. Well, if you go verse by verse, you run into stories like this, yes. and you run into images right. like this, and then we're also reminded that Jesus didn't preach verse by verse, but that's a whole other podcast <laughs> uh, for another day or another episode. Here's, you know, and, and you certainly alluded to this, uh, Pastor Jeremy, but when we look at at the sacrifice that farmers make, the sacrifice athletes make, the sacrifice soldiers make, or at least they're all willing to make mm-hmm. for the sake of something bigger than them. I think that that's really important. And you you said this too, is it leads to something better. And in, it, from the perspective of, of those of us who are called to plant the seeds, which is any Christian, it's not just mm-hmm. the pastors, right. mm-hmm. it's right. every Christian is called to be an evangelist. Paul will say that to Timothy here, yep. it, right here in this letter. But there's, there's also this, and Paul just rolls right into it. He has this poem starting in verse 11 of 2 Timothy 2. Here's the reward for the mm-hmm. people who keep the faith, even when you, know, you don't feel like clapping, even when you don't feel like acknowledging, when, you're, when you feel like you're ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. He says, this is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, Jesus, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. And so that now identifies Jesus as the victor, the one who wins in the end. And so we have to ask ourselves, again, fear the world. Okay, what you're going to miss if you do that is you're not with God. You're... Fear meaning, are you worried about what the world thinks about you all the time? Or are you more concerned with what God thinks? Because if we're living for God instead of the world, we're going to align with that. And then we're going to be walking in faith, and that faith saves. We're not just talking about a faith that makes our life a little better. Right. We're talking about a faith that saves us from mm-hmm. death and, and damnation, that saves mm-hmm. us from an eternity apart from Christ. Wow. So we're going to be able to celebrate In the kingdom of heaven someday, the fact that there are people here because we were a part of a church that planted some seeds, Uh, like grandma and mom for Mm -hmm. Timothy, like like Paul is saying to Timothy, now you have to do, this is who you are, you do this too. Um, Don't be afraid, push forward, be a soldier, be an athlete, be be a farmer, sacrifice, make, make, make those moves for the glory of God. Well, and not to forget, there's beauty too. Like he says, you should be able to enjoy the first fruits of your first uh, fruits of your labor. Yep. Listen, this is hard work. Nobody's going to say that it isn't. Like being a Christian in a world full of people who aren't—that's hard. It doesn't really matter, right? Um, but there's beauty that we get as well in all of this. You know what I mean? Like we get to see things, and so I don't know that we get to enjoy that as well. We can't not. Uh, we can't. It, it, it wouldn't be faithful also to deny that that beauty is there as well. Okay, we're going to go ahead to talking about our world. Is Paul talking about us in our modern world when he prophetically describes the evil actions of worldly people in 2 Timothy 3? Are the signs are these the signs that we are living in the last days? Tell us, Mike. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the thing about mm-hmm. 2 Timothy 4, and it's not to scare anybody. We, we don't have to... F- 
we fear God in the sense that we have a healthy reverence and respect for God and we want to live for God, but we don't need to fear God's plan for our future. God's told us, it's same Paul, through the Holy Spirit, says, Paul, write this to the Romans. Everything works out for good for those who love God, you, who keep the faith. We know this. We're going to read all about it through the rest of the New Testament, too. But at the beginning here of 2 Timothy chapter 3, you tell me if this doesn't sound familiar. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just going to pull out some excerpts. In those days, those last days, there will be boastful and proud people, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving, unforgiving. They'll slander others. They'll have no self-control. They'll be cruel. They'll hate what is good. They'll betray friends. They'll be reckless. They'll be puffed up with pride. You kind of get the point, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. He goes on. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is us. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. Because there's two ditches here, right? One is... Oh, that's for sure us. He's talking to 21st century modern world citizens, and this is it, and that means Jesus is, is coming, and, and, and we can just sort of roll out the timeline now. No, you can't, because the Bible's clear that you can't do that. On the other hand, the other danger is to say, oh, it's definitely not us. Yeah. I mean, it, it's either, it's just, it's just mm-hmm. them back then, and it was them back then, but we are Israel, mm-hmm. we are Timothy, mm-hmm. we, we are reading about us here too. This is God's living word for us, not just Paul's words and letter for Timothy. And so we should take heed in the same way the prophet Isaiah was sent to give a word of warning to God's people living in that particular time in history. Anytime we get too spiritually comfortable, we need to hear this, that we are on the wrong track when we're living in a way that this, this descriptive text at the beginning of 2 Timothy 3 just nails. If that's who we are, we have to come clean and admit it and, and repent. I think the phrase, in the last days, that phrase is used like six times in the New Testament, I think, and, and all of, almost all of them are Paul, but it's also there in Acts when... The last days, God will pour his spirit out, quoting the prophet Joel. And so we have all of this that from the time that Jesus came once, he promised that he would come again. And Jesus says, nobody knows the days and the hours in which that's going to happen. So there is an urgency and an importance to, to share the love of Jesus and to, you know, to get to ourselves, but also allow others to people to turn back to God. Today is the day of your salvation. Turn to him. He's got a gift for you. Mm, Amen. That's great. What's so uniquely special about the whole Holy Bible that we are reading together as a church family this year, according to 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17? Well, we've talked so much about that here just in our conversation so far. I mean, God's word is life. (laughs) God's word tells us who we are. Uh, God's word tells us who we're not. God's word... um, it's so good. Right? It's just so good. Yeah. Like, and it is, as I was really thinking about this, the lang- the words that we have just don't cut it to no. describe what the Bible is and the power that the Bible has. And so if we are going to talk about why the Bible is so awesome, like we're just even the word, it's we're going to come up short, right? But um, as we look at all these things, like I said, it tells us who it is. It shows us, it answers questions for us. Like it shows us why, why do we long for more? Why do we long for meaning? Why do we long for things to be set right? Well, the Bible tells us that's because that's how God created us. He created us to long for him. Mm -hmm. And so while we live in these last days, as you said, Jeremy, right, we are waiting things for for things to get set straight. Nothing is going to make absolute sense to us, absence of God, and the Bible points us in that direction. Uh, And so we've seen that with folks again and all year long right, with this whole Holy Bible in a year, how they have learned more about themselves and about their purpose and um, the world and who God is than they ever imagined possible. Yeah, And I love how that word God breathed is literally the same spirit that was breathed into the first human beings. And so that's, mm-hmm. it. all scripture is inspired, inspirited, God breathed, yeah. and it's useful to teach, to correct, to guide, to instruct. It's just... So many times people say, I just never knew that, that God's word could connect to my life this way. And it's like, but God did. Right. God yeah. knew that it would. Yeah. Paul is yeah. reminding Timothy, no other collection of written words has what this collection of written words called scripture has. Yeah. This is God, a God-breathed word. God's spirit is in it. And that doesn't mean other written works aren't um, God-blessed, you know, that, that God isn't in that in some way. But what we have here is something distinctive, even from mm-hmm. that. What we have is a, is a higher authority. 
I love the way Luther talked about the word. I mean, it was central to the whole Protestant Reformation. And so this text was really important to him. All, all scripture is inspired by God, all of it. And it's useful. Um, to, it's, we've, dis- we've so discovered that again this year, mm-hmm. how useful it is as people read through the Bible, how hungry people are for it. You get, you get a little taste of this and you're like, I want more of that. It's like getting a good meal. Mm-hmm. Like, bring me back to this text, to this word, to the, to the scriptures, to the words of God. To think that God, the creator of the universe, has things that he wants to say to us, that we can know God's will, it's here. Yep. That we can know what God thinks of us, it's here. That we can be assured that even though there are things in this world we might be afraid of, like we just did the question on... Is, yeah. Are these the last days? Yeah. Oh, no. I'm freaking out. <laughs> Don't need to freak out. It's actually a message of great hope because God's in your corner if you have this connection, this faith to him, if, if you're walking with him. There's nothing to fear at all. God's going to win in the end. Paul says earlier here in this same chapter, uh, I'm sorry, in the very next chapter at the beginning, says there's going to come a time when people will want teachers to tell them whatever their itching ears want mm-hmm. to hear. I just love the way he uses that language. And so, boy, do I feel that. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, oh, this is, this is more popular. This is more exciting. I'm going to go to some new age spirituality, some self-help book. Some, I, I'm not even here to slam all that stuff. Right. I'm just telling you, you really want the, go- you want the main course? <laughs> I mean, do you really want the good stuff? Do you want the stuff that's transformational and life-changing and assures you of the hope that you truly have? And that you have God's word on this instead of just some author's opinion, here it is. Mm -hmm. Dive into this, folks. And then just this last thought, verse 17 of 2 Timothy 3, God uses it then. He uses it. This is just better than I could say it. God uses his word then to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. We're inspired by it. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Last question. What's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, Paul's inspired and oft-quoted conclusion of this letter for us? Uh, this is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it's not just the part uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 where Paul famously says, this isn't just Paul's second and final letter in the Bible to Timothy. This is most likely, most Bible scholars believe, Paul's last letter. Mm-hmm. It's, it's his last word, even though there'll be other letters we'll read now after this. This was, in terms of like date, the last one he probably wrote. And you can feel it. Yes. You said this before, Amanda. He's in prison. He's awaiting his execution. He knows it. Yep. He knows this is it. And so he's begging Timothy, come quick. Mm-hmm. Don't delay. Yep. I don't have a lot of time, uh, yep. is the implication and some of it's not just implied, it's just, hey, get over here, <laughs> you know, or you're mm-hmm. not going to see me. Um, Paul knows it. Yep. And you would think in this time of, that's about as bad as it could get. <laughs> I can only imagine sitting on a dirt floor in prison, chained. He's literally chained. He talks about his chains in other passages. Here's Paul knowing that he, he maybe got set free for a while, but then he got imprisoned again. And why is he imprisoned? For some horrible crime, for committing a murder, <laughs> for stealing, for, you know, no, no. Uh, for proclaiming the truth of God's amazing grace through faith in Jesus Christ. He's going to get killed for it, and he knows it, and he's good with it. Mm-hmm. That's the part that just mm-hmm. is such a testimony. He's mm-hmm. like, not good with it, like, yay, I, I'm going to die. I don't think he's feeling no. that at all, but it was worth it. I didn't waste my time. My life was well lived. It was an investment in something that's going to last forever because God is in my corner. And so he says, fight the good fight, finish the race. This is what I've done, Timothy. Timothy, this is what I want you to do. I don't want you to be, you know, tossed to and fro by those who teach whatever people's itching ears want to hear. And then he says, I want you to do the work of evangelists, which I love um, as an evangelist at heart, share the faith, Timothy. That's what we're here for. It isn't just to figure it out mm-hmm. for ourselves. It's to share this good news with the world around us. That's you, Timothy. As for me, I fought the good fight. I mean, mm-hmm. how beautiful. Talk about yeah. just mm-hmm. poetic, God-inspired mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. words from Paul to Timothy. It's, it's almost with tears. You can feel him writing it. As for me, I'm done. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. 
the final conclusion of the Apostle Paul's life and ministry with those words. And then he has a bunch of greetings and, you know, the same old, same old. <laughs> and also Paul. bring my papers. Yeah, just, and bring just my papers. Case. Just, just in case. Don't, don't forget that. <laughs> I, I'd like to read that uh, on the way. But th- this is the last profound thing he really says. I love the yeah. word, do the work of evangelism. And the, th- the reason I love that is because I think sometimes people will reduce that to that's just mm. for certain people. And that word mm. literally means good news people. Mm. And what's the good news? It's the gospel. Live your Matthew 5, let your light so shine. Do mm. the work of evangelism. Go. It, it isn't something we do on Wednesdays, Sundays, just the times when we're... This is something we do in every single space that we occupy. Do the work of evangelism. Don't ever think that there isn't somebody who desperately needs to know the love of Jesus Christ and the love that he has for mm-hmm. them. Do the work. It's yeah. great. Yeah. One of the things that uh, Pastor Mike, you started this. We say this around here all the time. Give Jesus your best, right? Uh, and then we added some Holy Spirit at the give, give Jesus your best. Give Holy, let Holy Spirit do the rest. rest I don't know. Yeah. We're, we're not quite yeah. sure how that lands. But for the longest time, it was give Jesus your best. Um, and thinking about what Paul has written here, you know, how I, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I remain faithful. Listen, here's the truth of the matter. <laughs> None of us knows how many more mornings we get to get up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, None of us are getting out of this alive, and we don't Mm. know, right? And so as I was reading this, I was just thinking, you know, okay, if this were my last morning, would I say I fought the good fight? Or is there stuff that I know that God still wants me to do if I'm given the blessing of another morning? Mm. You know what I mean? Um, And it's not about being perfect, and it's not about... um, it's, it's not about that, but it's about giving Jesus your best with your family and giving Jesus your best in your work and giving Jesus your best in your rest. Like when you're resting, are you resting in Jesus? You know, because that's where the rest comes from. Um, I think all of us, as we read these words, I think there's a longing in all of us that we would like to be able to say the same thing, that I have fought the good fight. I have, I have done what was the task that was put before me, not on my own merit, but because I accept and believe that I was given a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Right. Um, and so I don't know. And that's to, what I'll be thinking about. Back to 317. And God has equipped you. Yes. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. That's why I stopped saying, let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Because the Holy Spirit <laughs> is what inspires us to give Jesus our best yes, in, the in the first place. place. So it's all the Holy right. Spirit. Yeah, you're right. So I think I'm just going to go back to just yeah, give Jesus your I, best. It's all summed up in there. But yeah. that's Paul here in verse 15 of chapter 2, 2 Timothy. Work hard so you can present yourself to God. Uh, and then he goes on to say, avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. Don't do these right. things. Do these things. If you're going to work hard on something, don't work hard on being the best gossiper in your social right. group. <laughs> if you're going to work hard on something, don't work hard at, at always playing games, You know, manipulating people. If you're going to work hard, if you're going to pursue something of excellence that's worth striving for, that's worth pouring everything you've got into... Let it be the mission that Jesus Christ has given his church. That's what Paul's saying. And Amanda, when you said that, I got mm-hmm. choked. I mean, to th- okay, listeners, podcast listeners, Bible readers, all of us here, you're going to live for something. If you want to have an end goal in mind on this earth, live for being able to say those words at the end of your life. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Mm. <laughs> That's it. There's the goal. Uh, We will see you this weekend at worship, and we'll see you next week on the Pastor Mike Drop Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite platform, and we'll see you next time.